I live in Finland, and here, from what I've seen, people have a very high degree of trust in their government. There's high taxes, but also a high standard of living and a high level of stability. I forgot to mention this in the podcast, but the UN has ranked Finland the happiest nation on earth for four years in a row. This got me thinking about societies that could work. Governments that seem to work. So, I got on a call with my friend, mentor, and more importantly, in this case, American citizen, Tim Connolly, to get his view on this subject. This is Money Philosophy with Tim Connolly and Tan Lay. All right, Tim. So, as you know, I live in Helsinki, Finland. Unlike America, you'll be surprised how few people here talk about money or are interested in money. Like you'll be really surprised because generally everybody's comfortable. Like nobody here is filthy rich and there is no poverty. Nobody here is poor. So okay. for people in comfortable Nordic societies... Do you think they have, do you think they really have it comfortable or do you think there is, there's something that they haven't noticed yet? Well, anytime someone's comfortable, they haven't noticed a lot of things. Okay. What are they missing? Anything, anything and everything that's outside of that comfort zone. Okay. But you, you talk a lot about governments. This government, they have a hundred percent trust in this government. It's like the most trusted government that I've been around. People love their government. And the government provides for the people. So, I mean, I'm wondering, is it possible to have a benevolent government? <laughs> I, my joke uh, with, with friends is that humans actually need a, a benevolent dictator AI. Hmm. Yeah, that's what we need. Uh, just to run all human beings, prevent us from harming each other, and let us just go about being monkeys in shoes. That's that's it. Like just let us be uh, us, but stop us from harming each other. And uh, then we then that would be perfect. That would be the most perfect government we could possibly have. Mm. Uh, but but here's one thing that no one really likes to talk about when it comes to uh, showcasing a place like Finland. Mm. Finland is homogeneous mm. uh, or is it homogenous? homogenous i can't remember <laughs> yeah either either one like uh, all the science people when i went to university all the science people called it homogeneous and i grew up calling it homogenous is there an i so, in there no no okay i don't know so then but, i would say but homo- that's that's the thing does i don't know i'm not that smart <laughs> but the uh it's it is almost exclusively one tribe. Yep. It's only in the last, uh, really, the last few years yep. that uh, other people from other parts of the world have entered Finland. Mm-hmm. Okay, if Finland were to do like Sweden and open its doors to a lot of people 
they would end up with a lot of ghettoization that occurred in Sweden, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, social strife that has occurred, uh, even though Sweden has a very similar uh, high taxation rate and, and, uh, and everybody in the tribe was comfortable. Mm -hmm. But now not everybody in the tribe is comfortable because there's people who are, no, who are not in the tribe who are coming in and taking from the resources of the tribe. Mm. And we are still tribal beings. Mm. It's, it's so deeply ingrained in us. At least 150,000 years of tribalism, mm. if not longer, you know, built into just our, our little broods that we had as uh, uh, in our ape uh, ancestry. So we're always uh, wired towards, I can trust a small group of people. Mm. And when that small group of people is no longer a small group of people, can't trust them. We're just not wired for it. I wish we were. Like, I, I do like the ideals of an open society. I do like the ideals of being able to uh, do business and life globally. I love traveling the world. Got friends all over the planet, most of which don't look anything like me. Mm. And I love that. But on the whole, humans are not like that. Yeah, okay. But my question is still specifically about government. I'm wondering... that but the Government are those people. Sure. You, you'll accept that it's possible to have good people in the world. There are some people that are good, right? Let's start there. So... Most people are good. Right. If that's the case, is it possible that... There can be a government comprised of good people. I'm wondering. No. <laughs> okay, no. You say no. Why? Because of uh, governmental systems, mm. uh, they never shrink unless unless there is a catastrophe. If governmental systems are left unchecked, which is how they are designed, they are to grow unchecked they get bigger and bigger and more powerful until the point of being detrimental to the society that they govern. Right. The United States government, so powerful, it's detrimental not only to our way of life, it's detrimental to a lot of people's way of life around the world. Absolutely. How many, how many millions of people have died because the United States blows them up uh, every year uh, in the Middle East and, and disrupts their entire civilization to where they can't just have a normal job. They can't just go down to the grocery store and get, uh, get food for their kids. They can't do that because the United States has too much power. And we've got China uh, wanting to do what the United States has been doing since uh, for the last 70 years. Like China's wanting to have that kind of power. Yep. And the interesting thing is, individually, most of these people are good and well-meaning. Yes. So you're saying it's the, the way this government is built. The idea of government is flawed. Well, the idea of humans is flawed. Uh, so we are wired for small groups. We can trust small groups. We will do what's in the best interest of that small group. 
when it's no longer a small group, we have a diffusion of responsibility. Yes, and great then point. that's where that's where uh, we take credit for the good stuff and we spread the blame for the bad stuff over the over a bunch of people so that no one gets in trouble. And if no one gets in trouble for doing something bad, more bad things happen. Yep. I like that. So if you were to put yourself in the shoes of somebody living in a advanced Scandinavian Nordic society where everything is comfortable, would you still be trying to amass wealth and how would you go about doing it? Okay. Would you just move your butt? Well, you could. You could just move. Um, but... Uh, 2020 showed that uh, moving isn't going to be that helpful mm. in, in the future because of lockdowns. Uh, and I believe lockdowns are going to be a common tactic going forward by world governments. Uh, now that they know, now that they know people will accept them, uh, they will use them. That's going to happen on a regular basis going forward. So going somewhere else probably not going to be as useful as it was in the past. But should you amass wealth? Well, what's wealth? Like what level makes it makes you wealthy? I think you should have the ability to pay for all your life's expenses and and hedging for inflation, even some hefty inflation for at least 10 years. If you uh, because if you've got 10 years worth of all your bills and and hedging for some inflation and it's and it's sitting uh, safely somewhere the compounding over time that will happen where you're not touching that money is going to be your safety net because like right now in Nordic countries like yeah I don't have to worry about retirement mm. until one day the government can't afford your retirement all those people in the Weimar Republic uh, who thought they were comfortable with their pensions and then were wheel had wheelbarrows. There's pictures of like this old lady who had a wheelbarrow full of uh, Deutschmarks going to the store mm. because it was she needed an entire wheelbarrow to carry enough of the uh, paper to buy the groceries that she needed. Mm. That's what that's what happens. Uh, so yeah, it might be perfect now, but one day it's probably not going to be. And maybe it doesn't happen in your lifetime. Well, then leave a freaking legacy and help your children out because it, it will probably happen under your children. Mm. If you look at history, it happens about every 80 years that a massive a massive collapse occurs. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, it'll probably happen in your kid's lifetime. And if it doesn't happen in your kid's lifetime, it'll happen in your grandkid's lifetime. So don't do it just for you. Yep. Okay. So do you think that is your first step to wealth? Just, just be frugal and just save up. That's the first thing you should be worrying about without getting your head messed up with anything else, any details, any complex crypto ideas. Just see if you can live within your means and save up first. Yeah, it, like if you can't... So, so think about it. If you save 10% of your income, then 
it'll take you know 10 years to 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 pay for one year's worth of expenses mm. right mm. uh the, if you can save 20% and do that and let compounding occur over that 10 year period mm. then you you would have in in probably on your 11th year if i'm doing my math correctly which i'm probably not on that 11th year you'll probably have mm. 10 years worth of your expenses yep. Just by letting compounding take over, it's very doable in your lifetime. So that, like, that's like the baseline. That's basics. Because yep. if you don't have the basics right, and you go make a bunch of money, well, it's just gonna go away. Um, have you have you been to these areas, to these parts of the country, uh, to, of the world? To uh, these uh, to Scandinavian Nordic countries? No, I've gotten close. I've got. Several friends from Sweden and Finland. I've had several times where I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go to Finland, supposed to go to Sweden. And then life happened, never made it. Uh, but having conversations over two decades with people from uh, both countries, I've learned quite a bit about how things are done. So the way things are done here, if they seem to work better... In your opinion, it's because they're still small populations and they haven't really diversified yet. Yes. And at some point, as the populations grow, they will slowly become a mess just like any other large society. Any large society, but any large diverse society that does not have a central belief system falls yeah. apart. Look at the United States. United States uh, is is in disarray because, well, it should be in disarray. <laughs> we have yeah. we have three hundred we have about three hundred and fifty million people here. Yeah, from backgrounds all over the world. The fact that we get along well yeah. enough that <laughs> we still exist yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So our only hope is the AI. Only hope is the AI. I, and I've got the perfect sci-fi solution for that, oh. which is uh, everyone gets a, uh, a chip implanted uh, into their brain mm. so that any time they attempt to do, some, uh, do uh, some form of violence or fraud uh, on another human being, mm. the AI will just... Shut them off for just a minute. <laughs> Shut off what? Shut off the human. Just, just pause them. You know, it just because uh, uh, you know you'd be able to just shoot a few synapses into the, uh, into the brain, and like, oh, don't do that. I love right? it. Right, and so I wonder it would it would it would eliminate violence on the entire planet. Zero violence mm. because you could not commit violence. You could still have like boxing and MMA and all that because you're choosing to do something. Mm. Uh, you know, you're you're both parties are volunteering to participate in an activity. Yeah, and theoretically, you're well protected from physical harm. Yes, right. But everyone else, uh, it's like, oh, I'm walking down the street and and I see. Opportunist, opportunistically, I'm like, I'm going to steal that purse. And then it's like, I go to reach for it and, oh, I just kind of freeze up a little bit. And everybody, uh, anyone around goes, oh, that dude was going to do something bad. 
and then I go back to normal. And so no one can actually harm you when you're uh, uh, incapacitated because if they tried to harm you, well, then they would be incapacitated. Sure. And it's just run by a benevolent AI. But how? No human being. Because if a human being got involved, they would corrupt it. Okay, but that solves the problem of random street violence. But what about, you know, what about crimes that people in suits make that don't involve any physical violence? Because, because if it was measuring intention, I'm going to do this thing to uh, defraud someone or to uh, take advantage of other human beings. Okay, okay. So the AI just wouldn't let you do it. Yeah, so if we can identify the parts of the brain, and if we can make sure that it, it, it's error-free, right? The AI is not going to identify it wrongly. If we can identify it correctly, somebody's about to commit fraud. It's just going to take advantage of someone else. Then, yeah, that, you're right. That would, be, that would be the utopia we're waiting for. Yep. And we're, the crazy thing is, we're very close. Yeah. Wow. We're very close to having that capability. There are uh, technologies that allow uh, para, uh, quadriplegics to um, uh, control objects where uh, they can think about it and uh, a robot will move oh, to, definitely. Uh, to manipulate something. I've seen a monkey play Pong without yes. you you saw that right without using his yes. hands just just through thought they've already got humans who can do more than that and uh you can write with your thoughts by thinking about the letters now considering how much people love to argue against anything getting chips into their brain. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You'd think people will protest getting chips into their brains, but now I'm not so sure. We carry chips in our pockets. I have a, a chip in my pocket. I have a chip seven. on my yeah, wrist. Right. I've actually, at, at this very moment, I have chips in my ears. Mm, you're right. <laughs> okay, so, but the, the last frontier is your skull. But uh, that, <laughs> at some point, that's going to be normal. Yeah. Uh, at I'm some point, instead you. of having a chip, instead of having a chip on my wrist, why wouldn't I have a chip in my wrist? Yeah. Uh, so right now, that seems like th that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Well, uh, fifty years ago, everything we do now would have been ridiculous. Yeah, everything. So what's going to happen is uh, uh, people with disabilities will get chips first because it will make their lives so much better. Then wealthy people will get chips because it will make them more productive. It'll make them wealthier. And, uh, and then everyone else will go, I want that. No one will have to tell you that you have to do it. Because if they do, if someone has to tell you you need to do it, it's probably not in your best interest. Yep. Love it. Love Think it. Think about it. Yeah. Anytime the government tells you you should do something, it's usually in their <laughs> best interest, not in yours. Yeah. Because if somebody has to say, think about the children, think about these other people, 
then they're doing something to manipulate you because it's not in your best interest. Because if it's in your best interest, they wouldn't have to do that. They would just say, look, look, see, this, this is actually great for you. And just show you how great it is for you by showing you. And then you'd go, oh, I, I want that. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah. And then at some point, you get to a, a tipping point where all those people who are holdouts are like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm never going to have a chip in my brain. Yep. Same, which is the same people who are like, I'm never going to have a smartphone. Yep. Which is the same people who said, I'm never going to have a cell phone. Yep. I'm never going to carry a mobile device around with me. Yep. I'm not going to have a pager. I'm not going to be at uh, where anyone can just contact me at any moment of my day. I'm yep. never going to do that. Every 80-year-old today's got a mobile device. Mm -hmm. And they were the same people who were saying they would never uh, they would never have a mobile device back in the 1980s. And they're like, "I'm never going to do that." And yet there they Resistance are. Happily. Is futile. Exactly. It's because at some point, you just realize, oh, crap, I'm missing out on a lot of convenience. I'm just missing out on it. Uh, it just becomes such a social norm that you're, uh, you'll still always have a, a, a handful of people who'd be like, I'm never going to actually do it. And they don't. But those people are rare. Cool. All right. That's a perfect description of what a real utopia <laughs> would look like. I love it. Thank you so much, Tim. All right. This is Money Philosophy with Tim Conley and Tan Lay. Okay. After this conversation with Tim, I'm reminded of a few things. One, humans started being humans as part of smaller groups. Two, as the global population grew, we needed to figure out a way to live together and organize ourselves. We created systems to enable that. We created governments. Three, all this external change has happened quickly, while our internal systems, our mindset and our instincts haven't changed. They're the same as back when we were in smaller groups. Four, we've solved all past problems through technology. Five, if and when we do solve the problems of current society, it will be through technology. Six, while waiting for this technology to arrive, it might be a good idea for an individual to save 10% of their income and allow it to compound. Thank you for listening. I'm Tan Lei. This is Money Philosophy. Join me again next time.